0: All in, all in, that's what this series is about, and really, it's a a lot about commitment. And how many of you know that we love commitment? Come on, don't you just, in our culture, aren't we good at commitment? I mean, (laughs) being sarcastic we hate commitment really i think most of us live our lives just trying to keep options open like we dodge certain things we dodge certain commitments just to keep i'll put it to you like this today's sunday if somebody walks up to you after church and says hey hey dude let's get together friday night let's bring the kids over like let's let's all get together what is the response cool um let me let me check my calendar let me get with the missus, and I'll get back with you about that, right? Because if I say yes, I'm committed to Friday nights So the whole week. It's like, you know, I really don't know that guy that well. <laughs> what if something better comes along? Hmm. Y'all know. Many of you in high school, come on, you know, every now and then, like, you and your buddy, you are going to go see that movie and hang on all of a sudden. He says he's not going, but then you change your plans and you go to like, you know, whatever, Chuck E. Cheese. That's not right. Anyway, and guess what? There's your buddy with his other buddies, right? Yeah, that happened happened to you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, happened to my dad a lot, many times. So sad. Man, I thought it was just once. It was one friend many times. That is not a good friend. That is not a friend. If you have a friend like that today, just delete his number and move on, right? But it's talking about commitment, and, and it's all about this thing of just kind of going halfway, right? There's a lot of things in life that we cannot do halfway. For instance, we don't get married halfway. Come on. I mean, have you ever seen a guy get down on one knee and say, I want to spend the rest of my life to you, with you? Well, at least a a few years. Um, And I want to halfway commit my life to you. What does she do? She grabs the ring, she throws it, she says some choice things back, and then she leaves. Why? Because that guy's a loser. He's a loser. Like, no, it's either, it's either. Whoops. Might have tapped on a couple of sensitive issues there. That's right. (laughs) Whoops. I'm going to walk to this side and move on. And then this person sneezes and I walk back. If you're watching online right now, you have no idea what's happening, but uh, it's a party. So, um, but that's what we do. It's like, no, no, no. It's either all or nothing. Like you're either committing to me all the way or nothing because like we're, we're all in on this thing, right? And we're going all in. And it's not about keeping your options open. Although society says, keep your options open especially when it comes to God and our relationship with Him, God says, actually, you only have one option. It's all in. It's all in. Uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of, of being all in in our relationship with God, in serving, in, in giving, in generosity. Next week, we're going to talk about our relationship with God. Jesus actually raised the bar when it came to commitment. He said, if, if you love your family more than you love me, you're not worthy of my kingdom. He said, if you won't pick up your cross and carry it and carry it till the end, you're not worthy. Jesus said that? Yeah, Jesus said a lot of good, like like gracious things, but he said a lot of challenging things where he actually raised the bar. God desires us to be all in. Romans 12, one through two, in the message paraphrase says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Isn't that awesome? Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, right? what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings the best out of you minds it out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you come on isn't that a great way many of you have read that scripture before in the ESV or other translations and it talks about living your life as a living sacrifice Like everything that you do is a sacrifice before God. And we talked about it uh, earlier this year and and I asked a weird question, but it kind of makes sense once you know what the scripture is talking about. What does your life smell like? You know, as it's burning before God, what does it smell like? Another way to look at it is your life is like fuel. And it's burning and it's propelling something forward. Is it propelling the kingdom of God forward? Is it propelling the purpose and the plan God, that God has in you? Is it propelling that forward? Or is your life as it burns, is it propelling what you want forward and your desires and your plans and your purpose, right? What is our life building? And so we're gonna talk about going all in and actually today, today is all about taking our next steps. Now here's the deal. We do a class each month, uh, each month called Next Steps, and some of you have kind of been trying to make it uh, on, the, on the once a month that we do it. And, uh, and here's the good news today: Welcome to Next Steps class. Come on, yeah, yeah. You're like, thank you, you saved me some time. All right, others of you, you went through Growth Track a long time ago. Some of you, like back whenever we did Growth Track on a Sunday morning, that's whenever you went through growth track. Well, well, we want to communicate to you today about our next steps class, because when it comes to going all in, let me tell you something. Before I go all into something, a lot of times I like to know what it is that I'm going all in with, okay? The whole, you know, leap before you look type thing. Like, no, today, if, that's why I say if this is your first time here, you picked a great day to come, because I want to let you know who this church is, what we're about. My goal today is to let you know who we are, what we're doing, and how you can be a part. And many of you, again, it's the first time. It's going to kind of be like, okay, some of you have been around here for quite a while. And and can I just skip to the end? My my goal is that every single one of you would take your next step. We all have a next step. For some of you, it's to be on a team. For some of you, it's to commit to, to to being in a small group or, or maybe being baptized. Some of you have raised your hand, you've committed your life to God, but you've never followed through in obedience and being baptized. Every single one of us have a next step, and my goal is that you would take that next step and commit to that today. So so with all that being said, right now I want to share with you who we are, who is NC, who we are. This is our history, all right? This is, this is who we are. The church started really in the 1970s, and, and Uh, sort of moved to O'Neill Road right here where we're at in 1980. And building two behind us was the original building that was built. And uh, actually, we've got some people that worked. We got some pictures of some people that worked and put the the plumbing in the ground back there. I know Mr. Ken and Mr. David. I mean, Tim's, the Kleckners, the Allistons, come on, like some of the founding families, like pillars, you know? Like, let me tell you something. Whenever you you helped build Building Two. You've been around a long time, you know. And uh, but that's whenever that building was built, and uh, Pastor Joe Rowe was the pastor at that time. And in 1989 is whenever um, our family moved here. Uh, my dad, his name is Van De Cody. He was the pastor from 1989 all the way up till this past year. And um, and what th- th- this is this is how bustling the church was in 1989. Yeah. Just things were going well. Um, about 25, 35 people and about $100,000 in debt. So things were looking up, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just one of those churches where you walk into, you're like, I want to spend my life here. You know, um, not so much. The things were kind of, you know, struggling. And, um, but man, we begin to build and God began to be faithful. And, um, and, and you know, there, there's a lot of struggles but God was faithful and the church began to grow. And uh, actually in 2003, we opened up our Wiggins locations about 30 minutes north of here, right on highway 49. Uh, And so we opened up, we opened up Wiggins. Uh, We had some people that were traveling down here for many years coming to church here. And then in 2014, skip forward, we opened up our Long Beach location. So we're one church, three locations. And, uh, and, and God's been good. He's been faithful. We, we have, you know, around 1,800 people each week that attend all three locations, which is phenomenal. Uh, a lot of people watching online, too, which is another whole uh, audience, right, online audience. But, um, but uh, we're, we're, you know, three locations, uh, acres, and just millions of dollars worth of property and buildings, and all debt-free. And uh, that's huge. That's awesome. And uh, by the way, that, that comes through faith, faithful people giving consistently. Uh, we've never had like somebody come and plop down a million dollars. You know what I'm talking about? That's, that's not been the case. It's faithful people like you and me who just conti- continue to sow into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so so here we are 2018, or yeah, we're still in 2018. Been talk about 2019 a lot, so I'm already kind of like, is it still, it's still 20, 2018? And, uh, and that's kind of our history. But our staff, this is what our staff looks like. Uh, so we have six staff pastors. And all of us are a part of the teaching team here. By the way, don't you love the teaching team at Northwood Church? Come on. It's awesome. Being able to rotate, uh, you know, actually also me being out, you know, with the, 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 the vacation, but also the thing that we had to go to in California, uh, uh, being able to rely on uh, the phenomenal team that we have here and not skip a beat. There's no, there's no favorite speakers and there's no, there's no one better than another. It's, uh, man, I love it. It's a great team of people, uh, our staff pastors. And, uh, and so, so we got six guys. One thing that, that I do love about us six guys is that between us all, we've got 130 years of Northwood Church attendance, which I think is just really cool. I mean, that's, that's awesome, okay? It's not like we all showed up yesterday, okay? Uh, we're, we're brothers, man. We've got each other's backs, and uh, that provides a lot of safety for us, honestly, as individuals, all right? Because guess what? We're people. All right, but to have people that that iron sharpens iron. Let me tell you something. <laughs> All right? And uh, so we sharpen each other. But that's our our staff pastors. We also have uh, another 19 f- uh full and part-time staff members that are part of of really moving this 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 church forward. Let me tell you something. No church is built on one man. Just cuz one person might have Lead pastor or, or whatever senior pastor title does not mean that that entire organization is built on that one person. Take a president of a, of a company and remove uh, just a couple of layers of, of leadership and see what happens to that company. It falls apart, right? So, so it's a team. Uh, one thing about our, our history and, and really our culture that I love is that we've never had a split. We never had a scandal. That doesn't exist here, okay? I'm sure some of you have experienced that. But uh, yeah, we've never had a split, we never had a scandal. It's a testimony of good leadership and good people. All right? And something that we're gonna talk about in a second, which is unity. But um, I wanna to talk to you about our culture. Now, a culture is sort of like soil, all right? It's an environment. And, and this culture, like any other organization, any family, uh, it has a culture. It has a feel, and what it is, it's sort of like the soil that you put a seed in. And if it's good soil, you put a seed in it. The seed sprouts, it grows. Good things come out of it, right? Right now, my lawn, certain parts of it looks horrible. Why? The soil is rock hard. It's a lot of clay. It just it can barely grow anything. I got to do some work, okay? But the the culture is bad. The soil is bad. It doesn't matter what I plant. It's not going to grow. So in the same sense, you can really have a a church or even a family, but if the culture, the feel is not properly uh, managed or it's not a good culture, it doesn't matter what you do, things aren't going to be able to grow in it. And so our culture is really built on our values. And I want to share quickly with you five of our values that really drive a lot of what we do. Number one is we have a value of excellence. Excellence. And this is how we put it. We relentlessly pursue excellence by maximizing the resources that God has given us. Now, quickly, Excellence is not perfection, okay? If you're a perfectionist, you're borderline insane, <laughs> okay? Borderline crazy, and at times you, you teeter on the line where you, you actually do go insane momentarily until you realize we're all messed up, we all got issues, we all don't always do everything exactly right. I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm talking about excellence. Doing the best you can with what you got. You know that you cannot make a lot of money but yet have excellent finances? You can you cannot have this giant house with all this brand new stuff, but you can have a clean house. Come on, I know what I'm talking about. so, so, as a church, we value excellence, not perfection. The next thing is that one of our values is faithfulness, and this is how we say this. We are dedicated wholeheartedly to a lifestyle of consistent faithfulness. One of the things that I love is uh, maybe you know I grew up in the church, and so, so maybe it was a friend or whatever, a close friend that we went to youth together. We were in straight gate back in the day. Come on. Come on. How many straight gators we got up in the place today? Got a few of you out there. Yeah. And uh, so impact, it's impact now. But anyway, um, that name still confuses some people. Straight gate. Sounds scary. But anyway, some of these people that I grew up with, uh, you know, maybe a job takes them away or or, you know, just take a break from God or you know what not and then it's like 10-15 years later and we reconnect and guess what they show up and it's like we're still doing the same thing we're still loving God loving people still serving people being faithful we're dedicated to that being faithful with what God has given us being faithful with the the platform that he's given us we're a faithful church and so, come on sometimes you gotta you gotta press through some seasons but let's remain faithful the next thing and can I be honest, this is, to me personally, this is probably one of the most important ones for me, is unity. Unity. We passionately stand together as one while remaining uniquely diverse as individuals. We are not into uniformity here. We're not into cookie cutter. This is what it looks like to be a Northwood church. And, and nope, don't say it like that. We say it like this. And, and you know what I'm saying? We're not, we're not into that. There's diversity and that's actually what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it unique. We're, we're all different people. We have different backgrounds. We're coming from different angles. But we can be united. We can be united. And let me tell you something. You, you can lack in a lot of things. But if you lack in unity, things begin to deteriorate. Deteriorate. Think about your family. You can go through a lot of different seasons as a family. But as long as you got each other's backs, what, what, you just feel like we're going to make it. Like, we're going to press through this. But it's whenever that unity begins to become disunity, it starts breaking down. All of a sudden, you're not so sure. You're not so sure what the future holds. The Bible actually talks about how where there's unity, God God commands the blessing. This past week in our prayer and worship night, Wednesday night, we prayed about unity. And I share two unity killers. Number one is gossip. Gossip is a unity killer. Whether or not the person that you're talking about, like, ever figures it out or vice versa, like, just the internal thing that happens, it, it, it splices people apart. It, it separates people. The way that we like to say it, if you're not a part of the problem or the solution, it's really none of your business, okay? If you have a part to play in it, and it might be a situation, it's good to be involved in it. It's good. You got to talk it out, right? Okay, we're not talking about, like, denying things and never discussing things. However, if you're not a part of the problem, the solution, just say, I'm not really sure about that. Might need to go talk to them about it, right? Gossip. Next thing is, is unforgiveness. Because at the end of the day, don't you know that we're, we're all going to have opportunities to be, uh, to be offended, to be hurt. People are going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time or whatever the case is. But it's so important that we forgive. Y'all with me on that? Come on, let me, let me tell you, if, if, if we talk well about one another and, and there's this, this, this you know, good heart in, in how we speak about people and also, if we forgive quickly, I believe that we can maintain unity. Not uniformity, but we can be united. Come on, y'all with me on that? Good, most of you. The next thing is, is radical. Now this word, some people are like, radical? You know, I don't want to be radical. You know, what will be in the 80s or 90s? When, did, when was radical? It was the 80s, wasn't it? I don't know. Anyway, it's actually a real word. Okay. Um, And this is how we define it. We unapologetically progress in our methods and approach to how we do church in order to reach people. Guys, look, the method of how we do everything in life consistently changes. Okay. The fact that you have a phone that connects to the internet right now, that method has drastically changed in the last 10 years. Drastically. But we have no problem with that method. Okay, but really the point is connectivity. That's how people are trying to connect more and learn more and communicate better. And so we have this method. Look, in church, methods are gonna change, y'all. It's gonna change. A few years ago, we didn't have projectors, you know, putting lyrics on the wall. Why? Because they didn't exist. Now they do. And now it's easier, you know what I'm saying? A method. Maybe it's a small group, method. Maybe it's a service method. Methods change, but let me tell you what doesn't change is the good news of Jesus Christ. Never changes. It's consistent. 2,000 years, it's still the same thing. Jesus came, died on a cross for you. He loves you. His grace is sufficient for you. You follow him, right? I mean, the message never changes. The methods, y'all, they're a dime a dozen. Come on. Y'all know that. So, so be reminded of that as things change and we're gonna to continue to move forward. The next thing is this, is that we are a generational church. We are intentionally building and preparing for the success of future generations. And this isn't just something that we say, this is something that we're doing. In January, my dad passed the, the baton of the pastor to myself. That's generational, that's generational. This church is not just a bunch of young people, not just a bunch of old people. It's a bunch of people of all ages. We got people that are nine months old and 90 years old, okay? Like a spectrum. And I want to let you know this, that each of you have equal value. Listen, older people, you have so much value in this church. Don't think that because your hair turns gray, which mine's actually starting to turn gray, by the way. It's been a stressful year, okay? (laughs) I'm like, what is that? Ah, you know? Anyway, no, it's good. I'm like, hey, maybe I won't look 12 anymore, but it's all good. (laughs) I know, I know. No, I'm 19, so it's fine. (laughs) I'm not, I'm 33. But um, when I go to Impact, though, they don't know if I'm a student or not. (laughs) Are you going to go to small group? Uh, No, I'm I'm the pastor. I could just go on and on with this one. I'm not, though. I'm going to move on. We're generational, man, right? You have value. Younger people, you have value. You're not the future church, okay? If you're a teenager, it's not like one day you're going to be the church. You are the church now. Now. 13 years old, it's now. Right now. So, so let's not pass the, the weight of responsibility of that generational legacy on other people. It's all of us. We're working together to carry forth the kingdom of God. And so, so that's kind of who we are. Now, I want to explain to you what we're doing. What we're doing. And this is number one, what we're doing. We are doing, we are carrying out the Great Commission. The Great Commission. That's why church exists, y'all. We exist to reach people. This is what Jesus said right before he ascended. This is one of the last things that he said. It's in Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, there's a couple things here. Number one, Jesus told us what to do. He did not tell us exactly how to do it. He told us the message. He did not exactly give us the method. Okay. Back in the day, they used to stand on the side of a mountain. Now, if you go stand on the side of a mountain and begin to talk really loud, somebody calls the cops. Okay. (laughs) Felt like that was funnier than some of you responded. It's fine. Uh, It's, it's, it's different. He said, go, but he said, look, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guide you in all truth. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. But but this is the commission. This is what I want you to do. I want you to build your methods around this message and pushing the gospel forward. Actually, it has a lot to do with evangelism as well, which is something that we're going to start doing as a church. Again, if you've been around for, for quite a while, you remember Prayer 3. Uh, we're going to be uh, relaunching something called My 3. And, um, and what this is, I, I shared with you at Prayer this past week, but but it's a card, and on the way out today, you're going to receive a card, and it's going to say My Three on it. It Actually, it's, it's this card right here. It says My Three, and there's three lines on it. And what you're going to do is you're going to write down three people that you're praying for, three people that God has put on your heart to see them decide to follow Jesus, right? Like, like you want to see them live the life that you're living. My Three. And on the back, it's got three steps. Pray for them. Number two, pray for them and connect with them. And number three, pray and invite them. And this is the scripture it says, ready? Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him uh, if they have, if they haven't, uh, if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Guess who that someone is? It's us. That's right. You and me. The great commission, y'all. So today, this is one of the, a very simple way, but let me tell you something, this is something that you put on your dashboard, you put whatever on the mirror as you're getting ready for work, and you pray for them. I'm telling you, you'll see God begin to change their heart. You'll see God begin to soften up those areas of the soil of their life that's been so hard. You just keep working, you keep praying, and God will do what only he can do, but here's the deal. You have to do what only you can do, and you have to go. You have to be, right? Right? Okay, good, good, good. We're doing the Great Commission, and the next thing is that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. Guys, look, we as saints, we come here, we, we, we go to small groups, we come together to equip one another, to be encouraged in who we are as Christians to go and do the work of the ministry. Doing what we're doing here today, it, it's, it's sort of kind of like the whipped cream and the cherry on top. It's Sunday. But tomorrow, right, like tomorrow, we go out and that's where it really begins. That's what affects our life. That's what, what really, I guess, kind of proves what we believe right so we go so what we're doing the great commission we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and um and yeah i do want to mention something really quick and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago but uh we're gonna we're gonna do something for the next three weeks um and actually you're gonna get an email about this but it's called the reveal spiritual survey and this is a survey that that we are going to be sending out it's gonna be a it's gonna be a url it's gonna be a hyperlink that you're gonna follow because here's the deal we, as a staff, as pastors, we want to help you know God more. And we want the, the spiritual climate of this church to continue to grow and to continue to move forward. But you know, how do you measure that? You know what I'm talking about, like, you can measure a number, but how do you measure the spiritual growth? Well, there's this spiritual uh, uh, survey that we're going to take as a church, and, and this is what I'm asking you to do. Whenever you receive this email with this URL, I'm gonna ask you to go take 15 to 20 minutes. There's gonna be a lot of information that's gonna bring a lot of clarity to what the survey is and how you're gonna take it. But I want you to go and take it and be honest. Be honest, it's totally, uni- uh, not unanimous, that's the wrong word, anonymous. <laughs> totally unanimous. Go back to unity, uniformity, <laughs> right? No, it's anonymous. Take that test. Because it's really going to uh, reveal a lot of things about where we're at as a church. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. But, but equipping the saints for the work of the ministry is so important. All of us. That we are being equipped to go and do the work of the ministry. This is our mission. You wonder what, what we focus on. Our mission is to help people know God. Not make people know God. Come on. Yes. <laughs> right? we, don't, we can't make people know God. But we can help people know God. And that's what we are committed to. And our vision in that is to start more churches, y'all. Honestly, globally, locally, as Northwood Church, we want to we start more locations, but we are a part of multiple organizations that plant churches all over the world. We give our money, we give our effort, our time towards building the local church. We believe in the local church. We believe it's the most effective way to affect a community, right? To change families and to change the trajectory of people's lives because it, it's about people, and this is the deal. There's four things that God wants people to experience. Four different segments of life that all of us need to experience. And this is it. You, 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 you hear it. It's on the walls and the, and the lobbies. And this is it. People need to know God. Lost people need to be saved. They need to get saved. They need to have this moment where they truly know God. Not know about them, but they know God. And then number two is those people, those, those saved people need to be pastored. They need to find freedom. How many of you know that all of us have a past? All of us have a yesterday that we got to deal with. And so we could be saved, but we got to be free. We got to be set free. Some of you, you're saved, but you're still in bondage chains are wrapped around your feet and every time you try to move forward in God it's like you get popped back into this old lifestyle and this old way of thinking why there's some chains that need to be broken off of your life you need to find freedom and number three once you find freedom you got to discover why you're on this earth you see the freedom that you experience is not just for you it's so that you can discover your purpose and then so you can make a difference these are the four things you can look it up in scripture, you'll see it. People set free to make a difference. And so come on, many of you, you already know where you're at in this list. Some of you, you know, I, I haven't really experienced the first one. Some of you got the first but not the next one. And, and our goal is that we would create environments where these four things can take place. Create environments where we, we help people experience these four things. Can we make just like we can't make people know God, I can't make you find freedom. I can't make you discover your purpose, and I can't make you make a difference. But guess what we can do? We can create opportunities. We can encourage. We can teach and, 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 and say, hey, this is what God wants us to do. But guess what? Who, who has to say yes? All of us. We have to say yes. And so to make a difference, but, but, but we want to create environments where these four things can happen. And we do that through services. The number one place where people find God is in services like this where they choose to follow Jesus, where people can find freedom. We we, we want people to to be involved in a small group where you get to know people. We have freedom groups, again, that are coming up in October. If you haven't been in a small group, freedom group is the the group for you, okay? Go to freedom group. Uh, There's teams where you can serve. There's classes where you can continue to grow in your faith. There's serve opportunities that, again, we're going to be leaning further into to make a difference in our community. And so, so this is kind of like a, a broad overlook uh, uh, oversight of what we're doing as a church. But here's the deal. I can continue to give you more information about what we're doing. But what I want to do right now is I want to share a story with you about someone who has, uh, who has gone all in. And God has healed them in areas of their life that, that nobody could heal. And God is using them in a great way. So right now, let's, let's go ahead and watch that video.
1: My husband and I got married in 2009 and in, in 2010 we got pregnant with our first child oh we were so excited when we found out we were pregnant i mean we had just bought a house so here we've got the wedding checked off the list we've got the new house checked off the list we both have decent jobs and now we're going to be blessed with this baby i had read tons of books and went way overboard with the first mom thing i mean we were just we were just elated I was going to a midwife's when I was pregnant with him. They were really nice and they were rolling a little thing over my belly and she couldn't find it. She couldn't find it. And I called my husband and, and told him that they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. And I remember he just said, I'm coming. I remember asking her, what does that mean? And she said, well, that means that the, the baby has died. His name's Bishop Kelly Rankin. The room is all set up, the nursery is ready. You know, I mean, we're supposed to have this baby, you know, in in just a couple of weeks. You know, I mean, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? In 2012, we started coming to Northwood. And there have been a couple times, a couple Sundays where I thought, man, I think he must be talking to me. But that Sunday in particular, I was sitting in the church pew and, and Pastor Van was talking about pride. And the Holy Spirit just came over me that day and I cried the entire service. I mean, ugly cry the entire service. And it was that day that, that God set me on a path of healing that I didn't even realize how significant that day was. Once God allowed me that day to, to feel that fire that I could be healed, it just started to spark in me and that I wanted to know more. We joined Pastor Van's small group. I started reading my Bible a lot. Now I see myself as a very grateful leader in the nursery because I really feel like we're changing lives every Sunday that we meet. Somebody is, their fire is starting that day for somebody. I'll always be sad about losing my son and I'll I'll never forget that loss, but I have been healed from the unhealthy things that were burdening me. So if you've experienced that type of loss, I would tell you that God comforts those who grieve. And there's a process to grieving, and that that God will get you on the other side of that. And, you know, there's power out of pain.
0: Come on. Come on. Come on. Jessica, I want to say thank you for sharing your story. Because, come on, yeah, give it up. And uh, that's the short version. There's a longer version, much longer version that we're going uh, to be showing, but, you know, it's good. God restores people's lives. This is what we're doing, y'all. You, you know, there's a lot of Jessica's out there. There's a lot of Jessica's out there. They need a place to call home in a community of people that will, will love them, that will care for them, that will come alongside them and allow God space in their life to, to lift them up out of the pit, out of depression, out of hopelessness, and for them to find life. That's, that's what we do. That story right there where people come and find Jesus and find life, this, this is why we exist. Y'all, without that, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. This is not a club. Like, it's not. Like, this isn't one of those places where we just, we come and we show up and we sit and we enjoy the music and the AC and then we go and, and like, it doesn't really affect the rest of who we are. That's not Christianity. It's really religion. We're not into that. Come on. There's people whose lives, they need us to go. They need us to serve. They need us to love. That's what we're called to do. So here's the deal. As we're closing out today, I want to let you know how you can be a part. Every single one of you, how you can be a part. We believe this firmly that every person has a part to play, that we are, we are uh, uh, one body with many gifts. That's what Romans 12 says, for just as each of us have one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So we are like a finger and a toe and a kneecap and a nose. I mean, right, we are, we, we come together and we form the body of Christ. And can I go ahead and remove a lie that many of you probably have believed at some point is that you don't matter, is that your part that you might be able to play is insignificant and has no value. That is the enemy lying to you and actually setting you on a course to not be able to reach the potential that God has for you. I'm telling you, some of you, it's a lie that, that you can't, that other people can, but you just don't have the it factor. That's a lie, Those are, that's deception, because we are one body with many gifts. Now here's the deal, a lot of people ask me this question, how can I be a member? Like, okay, I would like to be a member of your church. It's like, well, okay, you know, <laughs> how would I go about doing that? And well, I have a few very, very easy steps, Number one, keep coming, right? Like keep coming. It's kind of like, I'm a member of that church and I've gone twice in the last two years. And it was Mother's Day both times, right? You know, you know, or Easter. It's like, no, that, that's really not a functioning member. If my finger only showed up twice a year, it's not really a part of my body, okay? Let's be real about that. All right, it's you're, you're, you're coming, you're a part. Number two is that you take your next step and today you're gonna find out what that would be. You take your next step and here's number three, is you're a contributor. Y'all, when I go to Cinemark, I'm a consumer. And if you work at Cinemark or you know the manager at Cinemark, just don't tell them that I'm talking about this right now. But I'm the guy that leaves the trash around, right? I it's me, I'm cons Oh, please. <laughs> no, horrible. Whatever. <laughs> Feeling convicted, that's why I'm trying to offset it. But I'm a consumer at Cinemart, but I'm not a consumer at my house. How many of you, whenever your kids get up from the dining room table and they leave their dirty plate there and they go sit on the couch and they flip on the TV, what do you do? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> get your butt off the sofa. Pick up your plate before I throw that plate at you. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, get up. Like, I'd raise you better than that, right? Like, that's consumeristic. However, oh, in the church, we leave our coffee cup on the floor, and we just walk out, man. Somebody else is going to do it. Like, they should really clean those carpets more. Like, somebody should really empty that trash. Like, I don't know. Like, it smells funny. Like, they should. You know who they is? All of us here, like, like we are they, all right? So yeah, we're contributors, not consumers. We serve, we're not always served, right? We understand that when it comes to our nation. We understand it when it comes to our family. We have got to maintain that same understanding when it comes to the church that we are contributing. Membership we really look at as ownership and responsibility. Members contribute rather than consume. Members invest their time, their resources, their abilities. They invest who they are into the kingdom. They do. And so today, the question that all of you should be asking is this, what's my next step? What's my next step? And so today, we're, we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're not, they're not up high where you're like, Ugh, I can't quite, I don't know. Like, today, it's on the bottom shelf. Open it up and, and take three or four cookies, okay? Like, like, do it, all right? This is your next step. For some of you, your first next step is to choose to follow Jesus. And I don't say that lightly. We talk about helping people know God. We talk about people needing to, lost people getting saved and knowing God. Let me tell you something. A lot of things in life don't really fully make sense until you surrender your life to Jesus. Some things do to a certain extent. But whenever you see your life and your existence through the lens of Jesus, everything that you do changes. Your purpose changes. Because without it, it's a few years on this earth and then death. Whenever you know God, your creator, the one that has put potential and purpose in your life, there's such value that that is added to who you are, both in this life, but let me tell you something more importantly in the next. Because if you, you die separate from God, not knowing him, not calling him Lord and Savior, the Bible says that there's a place called hell that's reserved for those people who choose to not follow Jesus. But for those who bow their hearts and bow their lives to Jesus, in this life, there's an eternal life complete unity with the Father and that's really our heart as a church is that each and every single one of you would first take that step to follow him now here's the deal a lot of us when we talk about Jesus we talk about knowing him we talk about him as Savior he's our Savior but the Bible says that, that yes he's our Savior we believe that in our heart God raised him from the dead but but we have to confess with our mouth and also with our life that he is Lord whenever he's Lord He gets in every single part of our life. He gets in our our standards, our convictions. He gets in our speech and the way that we, and our purpose, our plans, right? He just, he renovates all of it because he is Lord. And some of you have looked at Jesus as a savior, but you haven't really looked at him as Lord. He doesn't affect your Monday through Saturday. He affects your Sunday from 9.30 to 10.45. But it's time today that he would affect the rest of who you are. So I want to give you that opportunity. And it's very, very simple. I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes and just Just allow God to examine your heart right now. If you don't know him, if you're far from him, just say, God, right now, I surrender my heart to you. God, I know that this is me, that I I don't know you. God, I don't really have a close relationship with you, and right now, God, I surrender all that I am before you. Lord, would you take my life, would you take my heart, would you use it for your glory? God, I trust you with all that I am. I give you my successes and my failures, the good and the bad. And all all my unrighteousness and all, all of those things. And God, right now, I clothe myself as your Bible. As it says, I clothe myself with your righteousness, not my own. My own is filthy rags. They're useless. But right now, I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. And I thank you, God, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy of my life. And I surrender all that I am to you right now. I want to pray for each and every one of you who just said that prayer, who just agreed with that. Lord, I pray that each person in this room who right now surrendered their their life to you, God, they recommitted themselves to you in a fresh way as Lord and Savior. God, I'm asking that you would begin to produce fruit in their life. God, as they are a seed, that they would be planted in, in good soil, in good culture. God, that you would water them by your power, by your spirit, by the relationships that are added to their lives, God, that you would protect them. God, like there's four different soils that your word talks about, God, that, that, that the enemy wouldn't come and steal the seeds that were planted in their life today, but God, that you would continue to protect them, go with them, fill them with your spirit, fill them with your power to overcome. We thank you for them, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, I just believe that there were many of you today that gave your heart to God, I I know it. Come on, let's give it up for them. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give
1: to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks
0: for joining us today. We'll see you next time.